Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1271, which is entitled, In All Seriousness, <laughs> our podcast title is Spotters. Sweetie, and uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about a few television series today. Mm. Got lots of exciting tidbits to rake through. Oh, I'm Rob Jan and Megan McHugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and here we are in smoky old Melbourne, as if the dragons have been stirring below Ymir, the dreaming city, all smoke everywhere. Mm. I'm not actually, oddly enough, I'm not. Having too much difficulty breathing-wise with that. I know a lot of people are, which is incredibly difficult for people. I I don't find much difference between contaminated human atmosphere and uh, what I actually breathe back in the home world. So I'm (laughs) I'm already used to it. Exactly. You've already had to filter, so... Mm. How about our Prime Minister? Oh, oh, (laughs) let's not. Smoko Morrison. (laughs) I think that he could not be more presidential. Well, exactly. In this day and age, if we're using yardsticks, I would agree. <laughs> oh, yes. Let's let's get the yardsticks out and the lightsabers. And the... Ah, anyway, uh, on to something really, really vitally important, the Golden Globes and their yes. genre connection. Yes, exactly. Now, it's getting – it's a bit interesting at the moment. What I did notice um, while I was perusing through the Globe um, – Results because I didn't get a chance to watch it myself. Of course, there was circulated a lot of the Ricky Gervais um, intro, so he did a little bit of a comedy. You know, they do a little bit at the start, and as usual, it was quite um, controversial. Yes. But I think it erred on the side of people seemed to, I don't know, they kind of agreed with some of what he said. He did some calling out and so on. We won't go into it, but he was back hosting. I was happy to hear that they're going with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler again, for next year, which will be a nice yeah. change it up because um, Gervais has done it before um, and I just think it would be nice to get a bit of diversity out there. Yeah. Um, but to the results of the 77th Golden Globe Awards, so they were held last week, so pretty much a week ago. So I'll just go through a couple of the genre wins. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the films. Um Joker and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did quite well, so we'll go into it a bit more, but just... As a first glance, they uh, took home a couple of different awards. Sadly, Knives Out was up for a, in a few different categories and didn't come away with anything, oh. so, which was a bit disappointing, I think. Conspiracy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> always a conspiracy. All right, well, let's look at a couple of the individual categories. So Best Motion Picture, which is, I guess, one of their big awards for drama, that actually went to 1917, which is a historical war epic. Have you heard much about this one? It's not yeah, actually... Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's not actually out here yet. 
which is why it's it's interesting because it, it's, it has actually previewed and it's had a couple of like special event screenings. Yeah, yeah. So I think it will come out. I should have looked up, but it will be out here soon. Um, and it's sort of a big contender at the moment, clearly because it's taken out this as well. Sometimes they say Golden Globes in some categories can be a bit of a precursor to the Oscars. Uh, so nineteen seventeen did come away uh, with best motion motion picture drama. So like I said, that's a World War One epic about two young British soldiers. This week, Australian release date. Perfect. Well, there you go. You can trot along and see that. I think they do like having those out before the Oscars because I know a lot of people like to see all the nominated sort of large ticket films before those nominations and awards are done. Also nominated in that category and that missed out was Joker, so it was up for that award and sadly didn't take it away. Mm-hmm. Um, for Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood took that one out, which I was pretty happy to hear because we both really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I do think it's it was a kind of refreshing piece of cine- cinema for me. I think it was doing something a bit different, so it was nice to see that come away. Uh, Jojo Rabbit and Knives Out were both nominated in that category as well. So moving to some of the acting awards for best performance in a motion picture drama for actor Joaquin did take that away for Joker for his role as Arthur Fleck slash Mm -hmm. Joker, um, which I think was sort of a much uh, speculated that he would probably come away with that. Did they let Joker into... um, Collect the award? (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Joaquin's not really a ray of sunlight himself either. But... um, also nominated in that category were, um, I think there was like Christian Bale was up for that for Ford versus Ferrari and The Two Popes also is another film that had a few things up for nomination as well. But Joaquin took away the final prize there. Um, for best performance in a motion picture, musical or comedy. So one of our faves, or at least my fave, Daniel Craig, I think he did a great job as Benoit Blanc in Knives Out, but sadly did not take away the award. Uh, it did go to Taron Edgerton, who played um, Elton John in Rocketman. Oh, okay. So, and you've known and loved him from that, that Kingsman. There's a genre connection. Exactly. He's a <laughs> Kingsman um, alum. I was thinking of Rocketman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, so he did take that away. And he did beat out both Leo and Daniel Craig for that award. So, uh-huh. I mean, it's a pretty big get to say that you beat Leo DiCaprio for and Bond. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I was kind of happy to see that because I think Taron Egerton is a really great actor and singer. Did you yeah. see Rocketman? No. Yeah. I think I will see it. I didn't catch it. I didn't see but. the Freddie Mercury one either. The yeah, one. I actually haven't seen that either. Not that I don't love a musical biopic, but... I like cats. I'll, I'm up for anything, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will agree. Um, so for actress, Anna de Armas, who we did like in Knives Out, I thought she did a really great job. She did not take out the awards, sadly. Um, it did go to Aquafina, who I also think is a lovely actress. Uh, she got it for her role in The Farewell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she took that one out. So sadly, Anna did not get it, but I still think that she did a really nice job in Knives Out. Uh, the Golden Globes, just to remind people, they're the uh, the Foreign Press Awards. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they are structured a little bit differently. Um, you have to be a member of the Foreign Press and you sort of it's a much smaller pool of people who are voting. Mm. So for the Oscars, they have a very large pool of people that vote, including everybody who's taken out. So it's in the thousands. For the, the Golden Globes, the voting, um, it's like less than 100 people or something yeah. like that. So... Um, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Don't quote me on that. But it's very different kind of the way it's structured. And that can be sometimes why what's nominated and what comes out as a winner can be quite different between the two. Mm. Although often there are some overlaps for some of the bigger categories. Okay. 
So, uh, oh, so best supporting performance for a motion picture for actor. Um, Brad Pitt took that one for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So sadly, no Leo for lead, but Brad did get it for supporting for his role as Cliff Booth, the stuntman and um, and stuntman and sort of, I guess, right-hand man to Leo. And potential wife murderer. Yes, exactly. Let's not forget that. I actually shouldn't speculate about that because the case is still before the courts (laughs) (laughs) with public opinion. And I do think he did do... um, I liked both him and Leo in that film, so. Mm. Um, and he did beat out both Pacino and Pesci were up for their roles in The Irishman. Anthony Hopkins was up for his role in The Two Popes and Tom Hanks was up for that as well. So, I mean, we're, there's some heavy hitters in that category yeah. this year. Um, and Brad Pitt did take away the final prize. Um, so looking at some of your other kind of big ticket categories, best director went to Sam Mendes. He directed 1917. Um and he did sadly beat out Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Oh, no. Um, and the others in the category was Todd Phillips for Joker, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, and Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, best screenplay, Tarantino did take that one out for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, fair dues. Um, and which is, I mean, it's such an original concept. Well, it's not original concept, I guess. But it's an interesting execution of something. Best pastiche. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, and Bong Joon-ho was up and Han Jin-won were up for Parasite in that category. Yeah, excellent They film. were nominated, so. All of these all of these films, apart from 1917, because I haven't seen it, we haven't seen it yet, um, they all made out... Best 20 films, hmm. or, or sorry, favourite 20 films yeah. to 20, 2019. We've definitely sort of talked and uh, talked over them and enjoyed a lot of these. So hmm. quite happy to see them come through the awards season. Um, best original score did go to Hilda hmm, Guana Dutier for Joker. Mm-hmm. So I actually haven't seen Joker. Do you feel, do you remember the score much? Did that stand yeah. out to you? Or? Yeah, I'd... Um, I don't know. I reckon the Ballad of Buster Skaggs probably <laughs> Buster Skaggs <laughs> was the, better. It's the best um, uh, ballad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I can't comment because I haven't seen Joker. Hell, but... I would have I would have gone with Avengers Endgame <laughs> for score because it was a really was that powerful Silvestri score. Again? Yeah, yeah, he does all he does all those. I think. Um, and animated feature film. So this was something that I was interested by. Actually, went to a film called Missing Link which I had never heard of. It's possible it's just not come to our shores just yet. Or it's still missing. It's about a Sasquatch who... Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, it's not like a Disney Pixar or anything. I think it's a United Artists picture. Hmm. So it beat Frozen 2, Toy Story 4. Um, so I think that was kind of interesting. And, of course, best foreign language film went to Parasite. Yeah. So very happy about that. We love that film here on Zero G. Yeah, absolutely. So I was really happy to see that. Um, so I will just quickly go over the TV awards. Um, to be fair, there wasn't very many genre wins in the TV categories this year. A lot of, it was mostly dramas and historical biopics. They're kind of having their heyday over genre in terms of critics and awards and things for TV at the moment. So was there any historical ones? For... Television. Oh, sort of historical biopicy type things, yeah. yeah. Well, that's their OG which, which is. I think there's sort of a bit of a grey area there. Hmm. Um, but so for best television, I'll just, read, I'll just read these out because I think it's interesting to know. Anyway, musical or comedy went to Fleabag. Um, and for drama, it was a 
show called Succession. Have you heard of that? No. It's, a, it's It looks really interesting. I haven't watched it. It's sort of about a family. It's roughly based on, I think, maybe the Murdochs, but it's um sort of one of those, you know, powerful rich people and, you know, how they rot from the inside or something. I don't know. I haven't watched it, but I've heard it's very good. Um for best performance in a television series drama. So we had a few nominations in there, um, but they did not win. So Kit Harrington for Jon Snow. <laughs> How many times? I know. Rami Malik for Mr. Robot. Uh, they both got nominated, but it eventually went to Brian Cox for succession. So yeah. okay. Olivia Coleman took it out for The Crown for her role as Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen that. And she's mm. damn good job. I mean, she's... She nails everything she does. Mm. So um, best supporting performance in a series, miniseries or television film. So that did go to Stellan Skarsgård for his role in Chernobyl. So we did cover that here on Zero G uh, a while what, ago. what is it him with him and playing scientists? I know. <laughs> he really always puts himself in these like dark zones as well. Like, yeah. It's never sort of just straightforward nine well, actually, to five. Chernobyl, Chernobyl is uh, – stra- actually, that is science fiction. It's not a documentary. No. But, um, yeah, it's in the old, old dra- sense of the word. Dramatised kind of historical. Yeah. There's actually – I was – overall, when I was looking at all of these nominations, a lot of the content is roughly based on something that has happened. So roughly based on a true story, based on an article of some kind, based on a historical event. Like most of the films and TV all fall into that roughly real category. So um, – and Chernobyl did also take out best miniseries or television mm. film. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, truth is stranger than fiction at the moment. I definitely think I definitely think that's true because when I was looking even through all the movies, most of the ones that got nomination are either some kind of biopic or sort of a a look at something that has happened or been in the press. And a lot of it is sort of based around mm. like Richard Jewell, Bombshell, all things that are fairly recent recent past as well. Um, so that's pretty much it for TV. So. Yeah, Chernobyl won, and that was over things like Catch-22. Did you ever watch that no. TV series? No, I am interested I'm innocent in that. of that one. Which um, is, of course, based on the book, but sort of roughly. Oh. Um, yeah, so that's about it. So not a wild amount in the TV categories, but a couple of big ticket things in the movie categories of things mm. Zero G has known and loved over our time. Mm. Confirming um, once again that 2019 was the year of sequels. Yeah. <laughs> I also think it will be interesting how the Oscars play out um, as well. I was happy to see that Parasite took out Best Foreign yeah. Language Film. Um, I thought it's – I mean, there's been a bit of talk about the difference between foreign language film and international film and because there's a film – the film The Farewell is a US film, but it's mostly in Mandarin. Yeah. And so it was in the foreign language film category for the Golden Globes, even though it's not technically from – so I think – and there's been a bit of discussion around that um, as well and how these things should be categorised. So, anywho. Do you, do you think that um, some of these will be, as of, is often the case, uh, heralding the Oscar wins? I think some. I mean – I think there's a couple of things that got nominated that really probably won't get a look in at the Oscars. Mm. Um, I don't really know enough about. But I think if 1917 has done well here, I think it will get nominated for the Oscars for sure. Mm. Um, I mean, I think Parasite. I mean, I'm hoping there's some things that weren't represented here that may get nominations, things like Little Women and stuff like that. It's not genre, but... um, I want, I just simply want 
them to recognise Avengers Endgame. They will. They hopefully will for special effects, but yeah. I don't know. I think they, I would. They did it for Lord of the Rings. They did. They did. It's 20 films. I would manage your expectations, and I say that just knowing what the Academy is like. Well, I don't know. Maybe um, Tony Stark can um, make that golden man a red and golden man. <laughs> I'm, I'm so biased. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, yeah, well, thank you. That's um, a yeah. good round, roundup. I think, I mean, it was very interesting when I was looking at the kind of things that are being released and the things that are getting recognition. Mm. And, I mean, it, I think it is really great that certain different things are being highlighted in these films, but I was surprised by how few true original concepts were played out. But I suppose that's been happening for the last decade, so I shouldn't be that surprised. Mm. But anywho, so that was the Golden Globes, 77th um, happened last week. And, yeah, let's hold our hats for Oscar nominations coming Mm. soon. Well, because Ricky Gervais was the presenter, you know he was mates with David Bowie? (laughs) I I kind of like that as an odd couple. (laughs) Well, of course, um, they appeared in extras together in that famous scene with that (laughs) that particularly Ricky Gervais cringe comedy approach where... He, he gets to meet David Bowie and he writes a song on the spot for him <laughs> and it's a pa- it's a sending him up. Yeah. Like you're sitting there with your idol and, and Gervais liked Bowie's work for like 25 years mm. or something and there he is and he, he sends you up. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else is fine with that. Yeah. And you're just sitting there like shrinking into a black hole, the singularity of celebrity disdain. <laughs> um, and... Oddly enough, that was uh, David Bowie's last live performance. Mm. Um, He introduced Ricky at a Madison um, uh, concert in uh, New York. Mm, At Madison Square Garden. At Madison Square Gardens, yeah, not Madison the The, singer. (laughs) The singer. And um, he sang that little song. At the start when he introduced him. <laughs> I think that's so great. I mean, that's an honour. If if David Bowie had made fun of me in a song, I would wear that proudly. Yeah, be like, thank you, sir. Thank you kindly. <laughs> can you can you can you satirize me some more, please? <laughs> you know, and you can imagine you put it in your credits in your CV as satirized by David Bowie. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless him. And of course, we are. Um, Overrunning the uh, the anniversaries of David Bowie's Indeed. birth and his death, yeah. all in January. Mm-hmm. And since we were talking about um, series, television, and stuff today, uh, amongst other things, I thought we'd play a track from his enigmatic Black Star mm. album. Um, I can't give everything away, <laughs> which kind of uh, is just, uh, in spoiler territory. I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 Triple R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere, anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 ha, with three exclamation marks. Yes, you are listening to Zero G, and that was the distinctive tones of David Bowie with I Can't Give Everything Away from Black Star. Um, And we were talking about the Golden Globes. And just a quick nugget before we go on. I just looked it up while that track was playing. Um, And in terms of the Golden Globes being a precursor for what happens at the Oscars, it's really not because the voting bodies 
totally separate. But I thought this was an interesting statistic that um, the website 538 said around 2013 that the success rate, the Golden Globes has a success rate of only 48% in predicting the Oscars' eventual Best Picture winner. That's, so. that's probably about 47% better than I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. What's up next? Well, in terms of um, in terms of television, there's still uh, many things that are coming out that are genre. In fact, far too many. Loads. You know, it's like I get pinged in my inbox every day. It's exciting, but overwhelming. It's overwhelming. That's all right. We can we can whelm them for you. In fact, we're in charge of global whelming here on Zero G at the moment. Uh, just some macabre humour there. Why not? <laughs> you know, go with it. Uh, and um, uh, next week you will find uh, season three of Sabrina mm-hmm. will appear. Very excited about that. All caught up with that, I am. Yes. That, that was one you recommended to me, Megan, and, and, and I was sort of going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, magic-based show, not my not my favourite. Um, sort of teen stuff. Yep. Again, not my favourite. Again, yep. Yeah. Um, but then again, I did like Buffy. Yeah. But it just captured my attention. Yeah. And um, then next thing, you'd overtaken me. You'd yeah. finished it before I had. Yeah. It's it's it's, and it's I I love the way that they double down on Satanism. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because there's so many tongue in cheek puns and yeah. things. I reckon that's what's helped hook you in. But no, it it's is. genuinely an interesting and engaging show. So mm. very excited for season three. That's on Netflix. If oh, you want to check a, it out. There's a. Um, uh, a music video that they've released. Yes, I saw Have that. You seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all over Instagram, and they're really yeah, pushing it's awesome. it. So, so check check that out. Go, go on, go on, off. Go get your Netscape on or <laughs> your worldwide spider web. Uh, <laughs> you know. And if you've not watched it, you've got a little bit of time to watch the previous two seasons. So yeah, a get cracking. Preview. Can't you fast forward it like they they fast forward? Haven't you seen that? They're able to fast forward some shows and watch them. Oh, like a 1.5 speed or something. I mean, I know someone who does it and I don't get it. I just don't get it. (laughs) Ghastly idea. Just read the synopsis on Wikipedia. I know. If you're going to do that, just at least be, yeah. Yeah. Also, um, that's that's next week. Uh, this week at the moment, mm. uh, new episodes of The Good Place have dropped on, on, on the flicks as well. Yeah. Um, with uh, the final season of The Good Place. Um, so we're in the second sort of half of, of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've already had one episode. Okay. So you can And they up. drop week to week, don't yeah, they? So yeah. you've got to be, yep. As they're, as they're trying patient. to sort out the... Uh, the new, um, let's say, the procedures for for, for running hell and heaven. <laughs> Such not, a good show. It. With, with humanity at stake. Mm. And there's a great guest star in the first episode that I, I shan't spoil. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so... So much stuff. Uh, we've we've just we both just Megan and I both just finished watching the Mandalorian. Yes, uh, the big hit of um, Disney Plus. Yeah, their it, flagship show. Is there anything else as big as that? That I think that was really slated was to be their flagship thing on the release. They wanted that was kind of to entice people. I think already into uh, season two in terms of pre-production. Excellent, good news. So you know they just said, yeah, this is a success. We'll just yeah. keep going. Good on you, John Favreau. Agree. I think his vision of how to um, kind of do that universe and how to execute all of the the different kinds of stories. I think it was just the right balance. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically a sort of like a a spaghetti western in space. Yeah. Um, so we we you know we've got all the tropes in there. We've got um, 
uh, all of the uh, Ennio Morricone sort of score. Yeah. Um, also crossed over with uh, Lone Wolf and Cub Samurai stories. Very and, clever. Yeah. Really just it – just, it's it's this beautiful little package. It's not yeah. that sophisticated, actually, if you look at it from no, above. No, it's, it's actually pretty um, kind of stock standard puzzle pieces. Some, some great guests. Mm. They had uh, Agent May from um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Clancy Brown playing a mercenary, an alien mercenary. I didn't recognise him until he spoke and I thought it's mm, Clancy Brown. Mm, mm, mm. And, of course, Taika Waititi, who directed the last episode, uh, is doing the voice of the, the, the bounty hunter droid. Yes. And we had Gus Fring. Yes, make an appearance. <laughs> yeah. Very happy to see him again. He has such a great, great presence. Yeah. Um, obviously, we are talking about the um, actor Giancarlo Esposito. Yes, playing the oh, – no, they're just the characters that they played <laughs> before. Yeah. Um, he's playing a, a, an imperial governor, I think. Mm. Uh, a lot of those around, the remnants of the uh, Galactic Empire. Seems to be a lot of them. Yes. You know, there's a metaphor there that they could make for the um, – uh, the American occupation of Iraq, where they failed to make any provision for the the ex-soldiers and stuff. There is a metaphor there that they should be pushing. Maybe they have been. I've missed it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And, of course, um, Werner Herzog. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you're getting Herzog to appear in your yeah. show, I'm already on board. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I think we can sort of spoil that last episode in terms of um, – uh, we get to see the uh, the Mandalorian's face at last. We do, we and do, and under conditions that I think is right for mm, the yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, well, it's not. Re- I was very surprised it's not Robert Downey Jr. Who... <laughs> You're always surprised when things don't have to end up being Robert yeah. Downey Jr. Yeah, I, I know. I have to do little to assume that it's Robert Downey Jr. How are you Jr. feeling about that? <laughs> I, I'm I'm not sure how that's going to go. Uh, look, he'll always be my Tony. Um... <laughs> He is, yeah, in case you missed it, he is appearing in a new incarnation of Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the franchise that won't die. You don't, you know, I mean, you don't have to push me or pull me to see that, mm. Dr. Doolittle. That's such a deep cut joke there. <laughs> uh, and, but I'm up for it. It mm. looks like fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's got animals. I mean, we'll watch it. We'll see. We'll yeah. see how we feel. And it is genre. Yeah, exactly. No, it is. Mm. Um, but yes. We get a bit bit more um, – I mean, it's really just confirmed some things that we already knew about the Mandalorian's yeah. history yeah. Um, and drops a few little tidbits more about – you get a bit more of a view of what's happening overall in the galaxy rather than just the slice mm. of of but, the story we've seen so but far. But there is a very deep cut uh, with the um, the governor being armed with a darksaber. Yes. Yep. That's, that, that goes back to – um, games and through was, upper things. And which is interesting because I think we, yeah, like what they're deciding they're going to bring into this this canon now. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, obviously that's also quite key in keeping people hanging on for mm. the season two. Mm. Um, I do think it rounded out pretty nicely. And that opening scene where they spent like five minutes with the two scout troopers arguing about what they were going to do with Baby Yoda. That's pretty stock standard YTT as well. Yeah. It really had his fingerprints all over it. But to me, that one scene justifies the existence of the entire Star Wars universe. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that's it's the best call. scene I've it's ever seen in all of the Star Wars um, franchise. I did chuckle. <laughs> I, I did a laugh out loud. <laughs> What's in the bag? I want to see it. I want to see it. <laughs> oh. And then he's punching Baby Yoda. I know. Oh. Ooh, I cringed. Yeah. They, yeah. 
Taika Obviously, Waititi. since we're spoiling, they deserve everything they get. Yeah, Taika Waititi, amazing. And of course, the uh, for me, the uh, uh, seeing the Mandalorians obviously have been defeated in some yeah. kind of battle. Heartbreaking. And yeah, but the blacksmith is still beavering away there underground in a sewer and doesn't seem to care that the Imperials are coming. Nope. She's just going to take them out one by one. Yep. And then melt them down for scrap. <laughs> not not to make armour out of because it's just Imperial well, one armor. One of them did is, go into the fire, so. Well, it's all just CD plastic, basically. And it'll just spit out some sad lump of, <laughs> yeah, of plastic. <laughs> like they'll make a funk, a, a sort of a deformed Funko pop. Yeah, yeah like a mini, yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're so dismissive of those. Anyway, look, I love that series. Yeah. I think I want more. Now it's finished and we have a good view of it overall. Mm-hmm. I think they did a surprising amount. I mean, it sounds in eight episodes that weren't all very long. No. I think they did a decent amount of world building, mm-hmm. attachment to characters, action. Cameos that we cared about. Yeah. You I were mean, talking about the... Um, uh, the little guy on the planet who had the animals. Yeah, yeah, the, the Nick Nolte character, yeah. Queel, I think was yeah. the name. Um, and, yeah, you do – it brings out a lot of – I had a lot of feelings in the last two episodes. Mm. And I think there's some – it's treated quite nicely and, yeah. And, and also I've, I've decided to join up as a Mandalorian because this is the way. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a cult that – that worships wearing armour. <laughs> I mean, how can I not be part of that? <laughs> Next week you're going to turn up in a helmet. I'll be like, Robbie, you're going to take that off? No, well, I don't usually do that <laughs> this in is the way. Yeah, this is the way. <laughs> um, no, I think it's a great series and I honestly think it's also quite good for those who aren't very familiar with Star Wars in general. Yeah. I do think it's a pretty easy entry point. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you could just watch this and never watch anything else Star Wars. Yep. Um, Can and I? I think that's a good <laughs> maybe not you, <laughs> Damn it. but the royal you. Um, I do. Think I'm not that... royal. I'm not a chosen <laughs> one. I'm just a, a stable sweeper. I clean cleaning up the Banford droppings. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yet I still have powers. Well. <laughs> okay. All uh, right. So I, I want to flip over to Doctor Who. Yes. Uh, the new series. Um, as you will know, uh, there's new Doctor Who on iView ABC this morning. Mm-hmm. You have to wait till Thursday to watch it on uh, uh, Melbourne um, free-to-air television at yep. night. Um, same night, different channel, the Whovians Roundup is, is on. Yep. Um, so we've seen two episodes so far. Yeah, we're not talking about this brand new freshly dropped one. No, just the, the apart two. from I'll, I'll, I'll give you some basic stuff about that later on, but no spoilers. Yeah, yep, yep. So we've seen uh, Spyfall Part 1 and 2, mm-hmm. so we will spoil that. Yes, yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, written by showrunner and executive producer Chris Chibnall. The first episode was directed by Jamie Magnus Stone and the second by Lee Haven Jones. And, of course, this is uh, Jodie Whittaker in her second season as the 13th Doctor, which hmm. is the 12th season of New Doctor Who. Yes. Get it right. <laughs> And all the companions are back. And, of course, we now get to see the Master. Yes, something I did not know anything about. (laughs) But you knew Missy. I did know Missy and I did know there was a – I mean, there's always a general nemesis, right? Yes. So I knew roughly overall, even sort of when it was semi-revealed, I latched on pretty quickly as to generally what was going on. Mm. Um, For those who don't know, this is my first Doctor Who Doctor Mm-hmm. That I've watched. So, yeah. but they do make it pretty easy for you to kind of piece it together, regardless. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's lots of um, lots of uh, references to previous encounters yeah. within the story. Lots of Easter eggs. For example, the, the master says something like, "Did I ever apologise for the for for Jodrell Bank, which is where the fourth Doctor met his doom at right. the master's hands?" Okay. And the Doctor says no, and he says, "Good." <laughs> <laughs> Played by uh, Sasha Darwin, mm-hmm. um, who we've seen before in Doctor Who when he was in the uh, the docudrama in 2013, An Adventure in Space and Time. Mm-hmm. And he was playing a character called Waris Hussain, actually a person, a real person, who was the director of the very first Doctor Who serial. Oh, cool. So they've seen what he did there. And like they've obviously that. brought yeah. him back. It's actually a tradition in Doctor Who to do that. And he was actually working um, uh, with Peter Capaldi on a play. Oh, cool. When he found out. So he said, I couldn't keep a straight face because here I am with the doctor. Yeah, exactly. He also played um, um, Davos in uh, Iron Fist. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he did look vaguely familiar to me, but as you know, I've blocked everything Iron Fist out of my mind. Oh. So. <laughs> he's, he's in the new Dracula series. Oh, yes. I saw that that's available. Uh, he was also in Utopia, but not the Australian one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean the graphic novel Utopia? Yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah. And Weird Sister College. Oh, yeah. He was in the graphic novel Utopia. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Uh, so, And I think he's he's a fine a fine master. He's very, well, masterful. He's um, he's brought back some of the master's evil uh, gadgets. He's in a new direction for the master, right? Because he's the youngest. Well, I, I was a bit... Curious about that, um, uh, Michelle Gomez's Missy's character. She seemed to have um, come to some sort of accommodation mm-hmm. with the Doctor, mm-hmm. and now we're going back into an evil master. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Uh, they, they, part of it was set in the Australian outback. I did see that, which yes. wasn't the Australian outback, but no, never mind. Which was just like a random bit of uh, dirt. <laughs> I'm not even sure any of the. Um, the actors who they had playing as the two Australians. I thought were, that. I was like, are those real I think they were New Zealanders. Close okay. enough. Close enough. Close <laughs> enough is good enough. Yeah. Uh, and um, in the second part, because uh, I talked about the first part. They were, yes, we, last week. Um, in the second part, they did a lot of historical stuff. They substituted uh, historical action for the, uh, the jumping around the world stuff. Yes. I And I will say as someone who works in tech, I was very happy to see some shout-outs to Ada Lovelace mm. in terms of her role in and, modern computing. And Babbage. Yes, exactly. Um, and obviously I think they're trying to do something too a little more where they're surfacing some names that maybe people will go away and read more about. Yeah. Um, maybe people – I mean, you know, Ada Lovelace is famous. Like she's well-known. But I do like that – putting a bit of focus on, on what her role was in computing. Well, well I'd never nice. heard of the British spy that they met in World War II, uh, nor Inayat Khan. Yes, no, me neither. No, I knew that there were British spies who'd been, who you know, mm. you know like the White Mouse and, yes. and so on. But Nancy that Wake, one, I, yeah. I didn't know. Um, and it was set in, uh, part of that was set in World War II Paris in 1943 and they're mm-hmm. talking about bombing raids and, yeah. and a few people have said, oh, they, you know, uh, they weren't bombing Paris. And I looked it up and they were. <laughs> I'm sure someone on the Doctor Who production made sure that was correct. Like, yeah. But you know who was actually bombing Paris then? Hmm. The Allies, because the Germans were occupying it. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, But, they, the, and I mean, they never explicitly, I think that's still correct in the show because they don't explicitly say. No, they don't. They just talk about no. how it's being bombed. And, and they're actually bombing the suburbs, which again is correct in 1943. I'm not sure if it's the right suburb, but of course you'd have the you'd have to have the Eiffel Tower in the back. Yeah, in, I, in the I feel like they would have done enough homework it. to make it fly. Yeah. Um, 
They're going to continue with uh, the historical sort of stuff. Uh, oh. The episode is called Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. <gasps> I love Nikola Tesla. Yeah. Not just because Bowie played him in The Prestige. With Robert Glenister playing Edison and um, Ooh, Goran, Edison. Goran Viznik playing Tesla. Um, oh, I don't know if I can watch it. I just get so mad about <laughs> I, I, I do it, I don't. I, I think it's one of those um, overrated things in history, uh, you know, woulda, woulda, shoulda, coulda kind of thing. And a lot of Tesla stuff doesn't hold up. I uh, suppose there's a difference and, you know, between the ideas and the science and an implementation that can be rolled out into. I've read some things where they talk about blah, blah, blah. But he's a, he's a tremendously um, popular character in science fiction, in steampunk science fiction genre. Mm. And you know, I mean, I've seen him everything from the Murdoch mysteries to uh, Warehouse that uh, you know, he's yeah. just he's, there's Tesla, there he is again, <laughs> and it's not David Bowie, but there he is. <laughs> oh dear, that'll so, be fun to watch. That'll be fun to watch. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm excited. Forward to that one. Um, so I actually thought they they landed that quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good story, well told. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy. Jodie Whittaker is taking this character and making it her own. And I'm learning a little more as they're dropping. I mean, I what I have realised is they're very exposition-heavy episodes. Yeah. Um, oftentimes there'll be whole conversations about either what a plan was or how something was done mm-hmm. so the viewer knows. But to be honest, it's fun enough and it's executed well enough that that doesn't matter. And I do need that information anyway, so it, it it's was, fine. It was very, very um, timey-wimey to that uh that story where the, the doctor's flit, flitting backwards and forwards. I know. And setting up things. Yeah. And, you know, and you I th- think because it was just the one half, yeah. it was good because I think they did a lot of the – most of the spy stuff in the first ep mm. and then second they shifted gears a bit but it still stitched together well. So. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm up for more of this. Yep. Um, I love the rapport between them all. I think they've yeah. reached that good – they've built up that – that team. The companions are there for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the best part is at the end when <laughs> he's like, have we been replaced? <laughs> so, yeah. no, I'm digging it. Yeah. What did you think of them going off off the grid, the companions um, bid to be off the grid? Um. Oh, you mean when... They were being hunted. Yeah. And they, they, they decided the best thing they could do was go and hide in a building site. Yeah. No CCTV cameras there. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I liked that, all that scene with them kind of still trying to do the mission yeah. and kind of just taking in stride and trying to be smart together. I thought that was actually a nice touch. And they had the spy-fi gadgetry too. Exactly. Was... It, it made them a team on their own as well as with the Doctor. Makes me wonder if they'll cool. hang on to the gadgets. so they. I like, mean, they should yeah. and just bring it out. The, <laughs> the laser shoes. That was so good. <laughs> I mean, it's so naff and obvious, yeah. but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And he, that actor, I think he's he's really good comic relief. Yeah. He's not too much. Actor. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm into it. I'm liking my Doctor Who journey. Bradley Walsh, you mean? Yes, Bradley Walsh. <laughs> that actor. Sorry, Bradley. That actor. Yeah. <laughs> Rude. Okay. So we'll, we'll have a track here, which is uh, from The Mandalorian. Yes. Uh, a Warrior's Death, Ludwig Goransson. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet zero, G comes last, Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. That was well chosen, Megan. Z waits alone. We're going to talk about Z Nation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, not just a pretty face. (laughs) Well, we got uh, the Mandalorian there, um, one of the tracks 
from that particular show by Ludwig Göransson, A Warrior's Death. Mm. Which is such a great score to that show. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. It really makes it. Uh, and available on the, you know, on the platforms now with um, all of the season, all of yeah, the episodes. That's great. Geez, they're really pushing that. I'd love to get a <laughs> I'd love to get a box set. It would be and I even think some yeah, some kind of packaged CD. Yeah, 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 it would yeah. be quite lovely. I can do it anyway now on the streaming thing, but you know. <laughs> it's not the same. Z Nation. I've watched the finale. Yes. Of five seasons of that show. Wow. Uh, you know, farewell to Lieutenant Roberta Warren's Z Nation kill crew. I remember when we first covered that and then you've kept with it. Yeah, I kept with it. Five seasons of weird, macabre fun <laughs> since Black Summer, which is when their apocalypse outbreak started. Mm-hmm. And they actually did a, a miniseries of that. It was really good. It was yeah. like Walking Dead good. That's right, yeah. When, w- Walking Dead when it was real good sort of thing. <laughs> is um, that still, yeah, it's still going, isn't still it? Still going. Um, beware zombie-studded giant cheeses. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I'm <laughs> I, well, frightened. To pr- to, I don't know if I'll be able to explain it and make it make any sense, but there was a giant cheese at a town that had uh, a, oh, a fair. Right, like a, and it the got, giant banana or whatever. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A state fair sort of thing, and it got loose and rolled down the highway getting studded with zombies. Ah, okay. It's still doing that because they, they actually showed it in a later episode. Just keep it's still rolling. rolling along. Um, cheese is good for everything. Yeah. Tar for dealing with all the puppies and kittens, is, which is what they use as code for zombies. They filled the Grand Canyon with a zombie horde, oh. although actually they always said they were nowhere near the Grand Canyon when that happened. But you've got to go out with a bang, don't yeah. you? And this is like one of the, um, the, the, the shows of the, of the spate of, of zombie series on television, yep. The Walking Dead, I, Zombie, yep. Santa Clarita Diet, and that South Korean show, Kingdom. Yes, Kingdom. Na- name I remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, they, had a, they ran into a zombie George R.R. R. Martin who'd been collected from Comic-Con. <laughs> wow. And, and, like, this collector guy had him chained up and he, would just, he was getting him to sign books. That's stuff. pretty funny. <laughs> you know, they, they were never afraid to be uh, last man on earth wacky. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So it was like, it was like Walking Dead, only more fun. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know I just love this show. It's just – it's a, a – in many respects, it's a bad show, but... But good, bad. Yeah, and the actors were great. The actors mm. were solid. Um, they had the, in fact, they took, they took uh, the actors who played Warren and Doc mm-hmm. and put them in Sharknado 3 and 5 as their characters in cameos. Really? Uh, they did. You know, they wrapped up the storyline in this last season. Um, they, they settled down in an area which had a number of competing, competing communities. So it was like, you know... Hill cop, hilltop and Oceanside all over yeah, again right, for, right. for, for Z Nation. And they had to overthrow a dystopian government. Uh, and they found a cure for mm-hmm. the zombie virus. Um, they <laughs> they actually went better, one better than The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead have, has these guys called Whisperers who you think are talking zombies but are actually people who are wearing um, the flayed skin of zombies oh. to blend in. So, okay, you know, as not, you do. As, yeah, as you do. But these they had talkers in Z Nation that yeah. were actually zombies who were kept sentient by eating special bickies. <laughs> not bikies, bickies. Love it. And So they actually kind of made sense in a way. It's when, when you're um, – and it reminds me so much of uh, the 1960s when we had a lot of um, spy spoof television shows yeah. that, that were based upon the James Bond success. Yeah, yeah. And here we have the... the like Get Smart and stuff. 
Yeah, I think we have the, the Walking Dead, the serious zombie show, and then yeah. we've got like Z Nation and iZombie. Who are having fun with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I really have enjoyed the series. Uh, it's on still on Netflix, um, five seasons worth there now. And they, 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 I think they sort of landed at where they should have, more or less. I think there was talk of a sixth season, but mm. they, they got cancelled before then, but they still managed to wrap, things. To wrap it up. If not all shows have that not all shows either, that. no. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed it and I'd recommend it if you're into weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the line of the decade that's, from that's you. That's why we're all here. <laughs> have mercy. <laughs> uh, uh, I'd also like to – I was going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. today, but I, I think we'll give that a miss because that's still in production. There's, yep. a, there's a new season of that okay. coming out. I am up to date on that. Um, and we will visit Walking Dead – at some stage, because okay. that's still chuffing along, staggering along. <laughs> but I did want to mention a climate science fiction series. It's on Stan at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called The Commons. It's um, it's a drama series uh, about climate change, biotech. It's set in Australia, in Sydney mostly, for the start of it at least. Um, it's eight parts. And it's written by, uh, amongst others, by Shelley Burst. She's like the showrunner. And she did that 2014 political thriller, The Code. Oh, okay. Which you might have seen. And she's done, you know, she's a, a freelance writer. She's done a lot of different shows in Australia, episodes of mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Rush and Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. She, she knows what she's doing. Um, it's produced for Playmaker in association with Sony. So there's eight episodes of this at the moment. It's very... the um, for me, the world building is the main yep. hook in at the moment. Um, it's Australia not too far in the future. It's hotter. Towns are running out of water in the uh, in the countryside. Um, they've got acid rain. Mm-hmm. There's always seems to be fires burning. Yeah. You know, so it's actually like a documentary. Gosh. Farmers I don't know if I can. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like a bit of escapism, to be honest. <laughs> Farmers are walking off the land and becoming climate refugees. So we've got internal Oof. borders in Australia that are being policed. I reckon that's a tough going in this day and age, but maybe some important viewing too. They're retrofitting buildings with green walls in the city, which mm-hmm. have become sort of um, privileged enclaves, mm. you know, with like uh, skyscrapers that are gated um, with levels of, of service on them, like okay. platinum, gold, silver, uh, the higher you go. I mean, none of that sounds entirely implausible to my ears. And they've done it. They've done it like the, the main character uh, jo- who's played by Joanne Froggart, who was um, – the lady's maid, Anna Bates, in uh, Downton Abbey. Oh. Um, she's the, the main character. She's a neuropsychologist. Um, she's trying to have a baby using IVF, but it's not working out. Mm-hmm. So part of the, the main thing of the story is that she's attempting to do that with by any means, including illegal ones. Mm, so gosh, she'll obviously okay. come into conflict with a sort of dystopian yeah. sort of thing. There are increased parasitical disease loads that have come out from the tropics affecting Australia, scheduled power outages because they're running out of power, mm. um, police drones that do facial recognition. A lot of the scenes are shot with a heat shimmer. Yeah, okay. Because it's, it's too warm, you know. So... Uh, and that's only the first episode. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm interested to see, to see how far they go. It's also got David Lyons, in it, an Australian actor, okay. uh, who I've seen in um, Sea Patrol and um, the NBC post-apocalyptic drama Revolution. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Call, who was in the Silver Sun space science fiction film. Yes, I've seen him in a quite a few things. Sorry, series. It was a kid's series. And Wolf Creek too. he was in. So, you know, a lot of familiar faces in there in... The Commons, a uh, good uh, cli-fi 
climate science fiction series locally based. Okay. Maybe a bit too much for um Might be a bit much for some people at the, at the moment, moment. In Australia especially. Um, but, I mean, at least we've told you a little about what's included. And if you feel like it's not quite for you now, maybe worth a look when you... And because you know. the, the main character is a neuropsychologist, she's actually got a pretty good line in um, therapy. Mm. <laughs> so maybe it'll be useful for you. Okay. Um, terribly well shot And that's too. on Stan. 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 Yeah, Again. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's about it for Zero G for today. Yeah. Whipped through it. Whipped through it. Lots of good stuff on TV at the moment. Yeah. Lots of things streaming. And, and there's a decent amount of diversity. I think. Yeah. Which yeah. is what's great because people are doing different things. Streaming platforms are doing different things. We're all sort of trending apocalyptic though. I know. It's true. Science fiction holding up the mirror to yeah. the world and it's not much distance between the mirror's surface and reality. I guess that's why it is good there's still show, there's shows like Good Place and things that, you know, if you do want just a bit of escapism, something more fun. Yeah. Plenty yeah. of good stuff. Star Trek will be back on soon. Season oh, three, yeah. So. <laughs> Speaking of optimism in the far, far future. <laughs> yeah, the just to get to that The point. fact that they actually made it to that far future is encouraging. That's true. That's right. So we'll go out with another track from um, uh, – which one are we going to do? It's up to you. <laughs> you tell me. Uh, I think we'll have Mercy <laughs> okay, for everybody cool. out there. Jason Gallagher, have Mercy from the Z Nation soundtrack. Sounds good. Hmm. And thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And Kate Reed coming up next with Astral Glamour. Hmm. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.